0: Good morning, Liberty.
1: Charlie, did you hear the news? What What news? The news. It was in the news today.
0: Did you well, hear it? Well, there's like 24-7 news. I don't know how you can't hear news. Good. So
1: we're on the same page then.
0: I don't know specifically what, though. There's a senator. Um, he's from... Oh, I thought you were going like maybe there was some puppy news or something. something. Well,
1: I did see a, a couple pretty good um, dog videos earlier, but those did are hard you... to get through on the podcast?
0: What I think about, like, you know, Anchor Man and the bear, you Yeah, know, when he's going to go cover the story uh-huh. about the yeah. bear. Mm-hmm. The um,
1: Panda Watch.
0: Panda Watch. Yeah. Yes. Those are, like, feel-good news stories. That's not what's mostly in the news, though. You
1: don't see very many stories about, you know, like a, like a caribou or anything like that. You no. Know, there's nothing good like that. So I saw the story, like, there's this senator from uh Well hang
0: on real quick. I we yeah. didn't get through this news though. Back back in your day was news about half an hour?
1: Yeah, it was about half an hour long and you <laughs> you would always like you know they would tell you that a lot of it was weather. And what they would do is they would they would speculate wildly about what the yeah. weather was
0: going to be. Just these crazy predictions. Yeah.
1: Most of the time it wasn't right. Yeah. Um and then you would just get like some kind of feel good like a like a story about an animal that was rescued somewhere you know. Right. You get like a good story about a troop coming home, something like that. And that was
0: about all you needed. That
1: was it. But okay.
0: Now it just goes forever. It goes, it goes forever f- and now we we they, they they do senators on the news. Yeah. And yeah. so what did you see?
1: Well, there's the senator from uh I believe he's from Vermont. Um already probably not good. Yeah. Uh Bernard Sanders. No, Sanders, sorry. Um <laughs> So he has released a plan to cancel all of the student loan debt, 1.6 trillion. Well, that's good news, isn't it? That's isn't that
0: so good? Doesn't that sounds you know, positive.
1: I've got student loans and I don't want to pay them. Yeah, I
0: don't. So, you don't. No. No. You you were smart. I thought about do I want to sign the dotted line to put myself in debt and I said no.
1: Yeah. Well, that was a good decision. Turns out, yeah. turns out that was a good decision.
0: Well, it sounds like even if you did, it was a good decision because <laughs> apparently they're gonna—it's just gonna go, be gone. It'll be gone. There won't be any
1: more loans, uh, any more debt from the student loans, and and then everyone will be happy. So here, so so here's the deal. Um, Bernie's plan to cancel all 1.6 trillion of student loan debt. Now, number one, this is the most flagrant attempt to buy votes that i've ever seen this is all this is up there with reparations yes honestly i it's, agree it's right up there it, it they are literally lining up all the people whose votes they need to get in the election and offering them things to come vote for them it's it's absurd it's completely crazy
0: well, okay, so I was being a little sarcastic, obviously, if you couldn't tell that this is a good thing because, it. well, I mean, it sounds like a good thing. Like you would think if somebody said this to you, that, that would be a good thing. Yeah. But the problem is nobody asks at what cost.
1: Yeah, because everything comes at a cost. Right. Like, they're not just going to write it off. And then the debt, even if they did that, that would just mean they're going to, that's another form of printing the money basically if they, if they did just write it off because most uh, student loan debt is uh, the government is the one who runs the student loans or subsidizes the student loans, and that's who most of the debt is with. So that's how they can write it off. Um, but the, even if they did do that, it would it would be the same thing as them printing a new $1.6 trillion because that's money that was paid for something.
0: Well, I mean, uh, if the government can just print it, why don't they just print it?
1: I don't, you know, I don't know why they never thought about that. What
0: happens if they just print it?
1: Everyone's lives get better.
0: Well, I don't understand why we just don't print trillions and trillions and trillions.
1: Yeah. We could, like, throw it out of helicopters. Yeah.
0: All over the place. I think Milton Friedman talked about that, helicopter money. Yeah. I don't understand why that's a bad thing. <laughs> I want Before before we get into that discussion, because it is, is really a bad thing, but, and we'll explain to you why, most people don't think about this. But before we get into that, I want to, like, Bernie basically is offering a gift. Yeah. Right? That's that's what it sounds like. hmm And what I want to say about gifts is when someone gives you a gift, it's a great thing. Like, it's cool to receive gifts. It's also cool to give gifts. But that gift that person gave you still costs money. Always. Yeah. It'll always cost money. And I hope no kids are listening, because I'm sorry, Santa Claus isn't real. There's no elves making toys. What? Or what? I know, I know. He's not real in the physical sense. Technically, he's technically not real. Metaphysically, he might be, but that's for another discussion. But the thing about it is, is like when you get a Christmas gift, like that costs somebody money. Now, what does that mean? Well, that person had to do something to earn the money because that money is just a value. It's just a representation of the value that that person produced mm-hmm. with their labor. More than likely, so mm-hmm. their thoughts or their Their body, their physical labor. They had to trade some of that in order to get paid, and then they took that payment, and they bought something else of value to give to you as a gift. So that's a true economic cycle. Yeah. So this whole Bernie proposal, it's the same thing. He's given a gift, but that gift comes with a cost. Now what is the cost?
1: Well, the cost is, and here's the beautiful part, because forever, forever, we've been demonizing Wall Street, the uh, the evil, evil Wall Street bankers. Yeah, you know, we hate them, right? We can't
0: stand them. And well, so, did you see Wolf uh, of Wall Street, I
1: did, and that's exactly what it's like for everyone who trades stocks. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's a, that's literally the embodiment of everyone. Yep, Jordan Belfort.
1: Yep. Um. So the thing is, we're gonna we won't have to pay back our student loan debt, and they're just gonna tax Wall Street. And then, and then, the, and then they're just going to pay for it. So problem solved, right? Yeah, no problems there at all. They're just going to take it out of Wall Street. Exactly. Now here's the issue: Where's all the money on in Wall Street come from? You know, um, it comes from you, and it comes from your parents, or it comes from your family members who have money in the market it comes from the company that you work for that that gives you a job it comes from if you have your own business it comes from the bank that gave you money to start your business it it comes from all of these so first off well, just, so
0: you're saying that if i have a 401k through my company it's just not sitting there being protected
1: it's not just sitting there in a bank waiting for you to hmm. to take it no the if you have a 401k it is it is being managed by the evil Wall Street bankers.
0: Yeah. So anytime- that money's, you know, like, that money's in the market moving. Yes. It's not stagnant.
1: So this plan is to pull $1.6 trillion out of Wall Street, which is made up of your money, first off. So th- that's the first thing you have to have to acknowledge because people are like, oh, these- the, the Wall Street, they've got all their money and they're just trading it and they're just making more and more. The, the people who are working, the brokers that are working in Wall Street, they don't just have tens or hundreds of trillions of dollars sitting there that you're just going to easily tax a little $1.6 trillion out of, out of what they're making all the time and everything's just going to go along like nothing ever happened. They're not sitting there with that kind of money. The only reason that kind of money can exist is because 120 million people in the United States have money in the market. So that's where the
0: money comes from to to, to start with. Whether you realize it or not, your money's in the market. Yeah. All your re- of your money your is retirement, in the market. It's all there. It's insurance policies, which are in the market. It's like even if your money's in the bank, that money's in the market because banks don't hold on to money. They don't. No. They put it in the market
1: and the value of the money that you've got under your mattress is still being dictated by what happens in the market. Exactly. So it's not a good thing. And this isn't free. This isn't free college debt. And so I I was reading this article on CNN and of course I see people posting about it, all these kinds of things. And everyone's so happy about how, you know, the wall street, wall street speculation is going to be taxed from this. And, um, I wrote an article last week, actually, about how uh, Bernie had released his plan on, on how he was going to tax every single stock trade that there was, um, every single transaction that takes place. This is a this is a detrimental thing for the stock market. This would absolutely, first off, Bernie winning the election and becoming the president would crash the stock market all on its own based on the fear of what his policies are going to be. And it would be a completely legitimate fear if the if the market crashed because anyone who has money in the market is going to know that it's time to pull your money out because freaking Bernie Sanders is in there now. And you're not going to ha- see business profits going up after that, which is why people invest in businesses in the first place. So they're going to say, OK, well, I guess that's it. Let's take it out. Let's take it out before everyone else takes theirs out, which is what happens when the the market crashes. It's all fear. It's all it's all emotions. That's that's what the whole market is. It's always driven on emotions. Fear of a crash will cause a crash to happen. That's just that's just something, that that just is what it is. The fear of a run on the bank will cause a run on the bank. That that is what that is what happens. So, not only would the market crash greatly just with him getting elected, but I went into detail on how um, him being elected, how, how this plan to tax the stock market would, would actually cost you like 40% of your potential retirement. And that's a very simple, simple number. It's actually way more than that, but I didn't want to go further into it. I did that based on if you put in $10,000 right now and then 25 years later you wanted to retire, uh, then what he's doing can easily cost you 39% of what you would have made off of that money. Um, the thing is, you would have been continuously putting in more and more money and gaining more and more percentage off of that entire time and gaining compound interest off of more and more money as time went on. And the 39% number is actually, it's really low as, as, far, as, what, as far as what that would do. But anyway, what happens with these, with these investment funds is you get, what do you think like an average return for an investment fund would be? Uh,
0: you know? Well, the predictions are always way higher. Yeah, for sure. Know, especially from the government, especially pensions, things like that. Right, yeah. Right. But I, I would say the average is probably five to five to 7%. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: about right. If you're, if you're invested, if you've got a 401k, if you've got a, an IRA, uh, your pension fund, all these kinds of your, whatever mutual fund you're invested in, the private retirement account, on average, you'd be real happy if you make seven percent year per, over year per year, right? Uh, for the, until the time that you're ready to take your money out. So, uh, and the the way that this happens is not just they put your money in in Apple and then hopefully Apple on average goes up seven percent for every single year. They balance that over tons of trades over that entire time, uh, hundreds if not thousands of trades. It's called a portfolio. Yeah. That it's called a a balanced portfolio. A diverse. And one thing that you'll do in a balanced portfolio is you will have a percentage of it in very safe stocks. You could have you know a lot of people would be in Bank of America or GE, or maybe you've got it in some maybe you have it in bonds, things like things like that that blue chips. You know, things that are going to go up over time. GE, you're like, okay, Here's two or three percent every single year off of GE, and you can be pretty, you know, pretty sure that that's what's going to happen. Not recently, not a, not in the last few years, it's been going down actually a lot. But you you can get in a safe stock like that and bet on that. So the way they bump that up to seven percent is they spend a lot of time uh, investing in more aggressive portfolios and risky transactions where they can make a lot higher rates off of them. And that's how they take you from you're boringly invested in GE, making two or 3% all the time, to they made a couple big technology trades or uh, trades on some other, I don't know, some, some other risky or uh, volatile stocks. Um, like Bitcoin.
2: Yeah, I
1: doubt many of them are putting <laughs> anything in Bitcoin, but yeah, stuff like that. So they'll do a percentage of your portfolio in that, and then when they make some real big winners, it raises your total return from the boring 3% that you're going to get from the safe stuff up to like 5 6 7%. Something like that. The average return is about 7. So what he wants to do is he wants to tax every single stock trade. And it's just a 0.5% tax.
0: But well that sounds like nothing.
1: It's like nothing. I mean, it's 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 literally it's. I mean, it's less than a percent. There's no way this can do anything negative to the market. It's such a low tax. The problem is, all those trades that are getting made aggressively in the risky stocks. There's multiple trades happening, and now there's going to be millions. A, there's going to be a them. yes, the, and there's going to be a tax each time that a uh, fund decides to trade stocks let alone a day trader like me who does this every day. That's it, It's detrimental to someone like me as well, so I will give that disclaimer. But when you make the trade now, you're going to be starting in the hole. You're down immediately when you make the trade. You got a sales tax on a purchase of something that you may never receive. So it's a it's a really terrible deal. So what's going to happen is uh, they're going to be less likely to make more of those aggressive trades because they're, they're all going to be starting in the hole, and anything that you tax, you tax it, You get less of it all, all the time. You tax cigarettes. You tax what? It, you know they keep raising things so they can get less, less of that, which makes you question an income tax. But there's things that happen that they that they tax, and that you immediately get less of that after it's taxed. So, assuming that you're going to get less aggressive trades now because there is a tax on every single one of them. You can you can easily assume that that seven percent annual rate could go down to five percent. That's not a big jump, right? That's that's not that big. You go seven percent, five percent. You know, we got free college. Not a not a big deal, right? Right. That's fine. Who cares? The problem is if you do that over time, over twenty five years, the compound interest from getting five percent versus seven percent is massive. It takes you from. 184% gain on your original investment to 112% gain. Now, that's 72% different, but that was on the gain of the total portfolio. What that comes out to is a 39% reduction in what your potential retirement would have been. In
0: your your money. Your money. Yeah.
1: Not some evil Wall Street banker. No.
0: These guys, are. Ma- I mean, they make a lot of money, but... Well, how do they make money, though? They, they make money by making you money. They make you money, and they take a <laughs> cut of it. Yeah. That's that's, a, that's what they do. That, now, I do want to say, there are some greedy, evil people in Wall Street. Of course. Yes. But, I mean, there's grievel. There's grievel. There's greedy, evil. That's They're grievel. That's a good yeah, word, grievel, exactly. yeah. Exactly. There's grievel poor people. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're greedy and evil, and they do crazy things, and there's greedy, evil, rich people that do the same things, plus... I mean, all these college students that want their debt loans forgiven, their student loan debt forgiven, I mean, don't forget they're greedy, too. They wanted something for nothing. They, exactly. Like, that's greed. Yeah. I love Milton Friedman. It's like, oh, it's always the other fellow who's greedy. It's yeah. never us. You know? Yeah. It's I,
1: always greedy to want to keep your own money. Not It's not greedy to want to take someone else's.
0: Right. And, and Jordan Peterson always says he figured out, like, who the rich people are. It's always someone richer than you.
1: Yep. It doesn't matter
0: what level of income you have or what level of wealth that you have. The the evil one is like someone who's always richer than you, which I guess the greatest evil person would be Jeff Bezos at this moment because I don't think no anyone one has, has more money than has them. more wealth than him yeah. technically right now.
1: He's still not even the richest person to ever exist.
0: Really? On in the world? No. It, well, what, across time across, probably. I
1: mean even if you just go back to um is it Rockef... No, it's... Uh, well,
0: Rockefeller, no, Vanderbilt...
1: Rockefeller. Um, I think it's Rockefeller who was actually... Wor- In today's money, was worth about $400 billion.
0: But think about what he could buy, though.
1: Not very... He could not even like, buy a cell phone.
0: Poor people today are richer than Rockefeller was yeah. back then. So so you have to think about across time. So Jeff yeah. Bezos technically would still be, right yeah, now, yeah. the most evil person But as is. far
1: as a financial... Um, your piece of the economy versus other people at in that point in time, Jeff Bezos isn't even in the top ten. Right there, there's. I mean, I did a story on the uh, on uh, the Waltons of of uh, Walmart. They're barely in the top twenty in history, and that's putting together an entire family. Right. So, uh, it's not one first person. off, why are we putting together an entire family and talking about how rich they are? Let's talk about one of them at least and compare them to people. Putting together a family of people and talking about how rich they are right. is just you want to make a.
0: What's well, what they do here in Tennessee? The Frist family. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, really. Those they did such a terrible thing, you know. Starting HCA and uh, and you know we got the museum down there that's yeah. taking care of all the arts and and all that all, all these uh these terrible evil things that they've done with that money.
0: I heard you know we were having a conversation about um, this is when I did some work for HCA. We were having a conversation. There was a group conversation going on, and they were talking about how, you know, Frisk Junior. Tommy Frist Junior. is the richest person in Tennessee. He's worth about eight billion, I think. And somebody made the comment like, "Oh, I wish he would share some of that." You're like, "Wouldn't that be nice if he shared some of that?" Yeah, I'm like, HCA employs like fifty thousand people. Yeah, yeah, and most of them make probably fifty grand or more.
1: They've also got like six really great hospitals around Nashville right and hundreds more all, all around the world. I mean he did share some right. of the money right
0: he, it's a lot of the money a lot of the money It gets reinvested
1: the the company itself uh, is worth a lot more than he is worth so he he did share a, yes. a lot of that so uh, the I don't know why. Bernie Sanders gets under my skin so much. But you can see, like, you can see, you know, my eyes boiling. You can see steam coming out of my ears when I was reading this article earlier.
0: Well, you don't even like to call him Bernie Sanders anymore.
1: No, I just call him BS.
0: BS. That's what he's, he's full of it. Completely. Everything he does. And Well, okay, so here's what he's good at, though. Like, let's steel man this a little bit. He's really good at playing the emotional card. For sure. Like, he's really, like... He's really good at coming up with one-liners or two-liners like this that are like, there's evil people on Wall Street. We think that you should have your student loan debt forgiven because now, I mean, think about how many votes that is, right? I mean, to get the young people out and vote, and then that's one of the areas that voting sucks is young people, but it's starting to get better if you look at the trends. And so now you have how many thousands, if not a few million people that have student loan debt now. Yeah. Because it's 1.6 trillion. I think it, it surpassed every other debt held by Americans, didn't it?
1: I'm pretty sure it surpassed credit card debt. Because
0: credit uh, card debt's like at 1.2 or something yeah. like that. It's still ridiculously high. Yeah. But So now you're, you're basically catering to a large group of Americans that will surely vote for you because now you have a big burden – lifted from you. And I'm not saying that student loan debt isn't a burden. I'm not saying college isn't expensive because it is, it's absolutely ridiculously expensive. And it's a massive burden on a lot of people that they, people that pay 800 or 1200 or $2,000 a month in student loan debts. They're going to be doing that for 40 years. Like that's really difficult. I remember a story when Bernie Sanders ran the first time back in 2016, there was this girl that was like $200,000 in student loan debt. And she like, she needed Bernie Sanders to win the presidency so that her student loan could be forgiven. And it's like, if you're going to sign up for a burden like that, you have to talk about that. And that's one thing we do. We fail in the education of kids to not understand at 18 years old, you can't have a beer, but you can put yourself $200,000 in debt, or you can go in the military and take a bullet. Like you can do all these crazy things and no one teaches you about finance or anything like that. I didn't know that much about finance, but I knew like I couldn't afford to go to college, and if I did, I was going to have to be on scholarships, which which I did. I went to a year of nursing school, actually, uh, completely free because it was all on scholarships um, because I knew I couldn't afford it out of pocket, and I knew that there was no way I was going to take out loans to do it, and I don't know why I knew that. I just knew it didn't sound good.
1: Now, those scholarships were provided by... um, Poor people, right?
0: Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. that's what I thought. I went around to all the homeless people. Yeah. And said, "Give me a scholarship, or yeah. give me death." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they all ponied up their spare change. Yeah. And that was my scholarship. It was. It was called the homeless scholarship.
1: Isn't it completely ridiculous <laughs> that we some? I mean, I've been reflecting a lot on my old age today. You know, and just all the oh,
2: happy the, birthday,
0: Nate! <laughs> thanks, by the man. Way.
2: Thanks. Yeah. yeah. We, won't
0: tell, we won't tell how old you are. 32. <laughs> 32, 32. That's how old? Yeah. Um, I've
1: been reflecting a lot on the on all of my wiseness today <laughs> and everything I've learned. <laughs> One thing I know for sure is that when I was 17, 18 years old, I had no freaking clue what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And honestly- Still don't know. I don't know now <laughs> still what I'm going to do. But I cannot get over how ridiculous it is to expect that some kid in high school has to make the choice on what they wanna do as a career for the rest of their life. That's completely insane. So the idea that you're 18 years old and you need to go get $100,000 in debt to go to college towards a career that your 18-year-old self thinks is something that you need to do is completely preposterous. It doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Especially those that go to college to try to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, that makes college experience. Right, it makes no sense. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, college is a great experience for everybody. There's a lot of growing up to do in college. Yeah. You know, like you meet different friends and you have different groups and like, you know, college and university is supposed to challenge how you think and think outside the box and do all kinds of different things. I'm not saying college is a bad place to go, but you have to weigh your options here, right? I mean- if you do not know what you want to do with your life, there's no reason to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and figure it out.
1: Yeah, and and the idea that you're going to be 17 or 18 years old and know what you want to do for sure and be right about it is almost
0: 0%. Now, there's a few almost people that zero. do. You know, like I went to high school. This this girl, Kristen, who was going to be a doctor her whole life, and she knew that, and she went to school, and she went to med school, and she's she's a doctor now. Yeah. You know, like there are people that, that do figure it out. And unfortunately, if you need a license, like a doctor or nurse or something like that, like you have to go to school uh, or a lawyer and you got to you go to school for a long time. Yeah. And of course you want to come out making, you know, you want to start making money in your twenties. So if you're going to go to school for seven or eight years, like, you got to go quick. You have to know. Yeah. You have yeah. to know when you're 18 pretty much or 19 or 20, I'd say. So that yeah, way. But- you can start making money in your 20s and not in your 30s.
1: For these people going and getting a $100,000 political science degree so they or can... just general studies. Yeah, just general studies. studies. Their, their sociology degree. Like, wh- you have to ask yourself, what's college for? What is the benefit of the money I'm about to spend? What is the job that I want to do? Does it require college? Does it for sure require college? Because a lot of jobs... Say they do, and still will let you through, even if you don't have a degree. And, uh, I mean, Charlie is a very tall, walking example of that all Almost the time.
0: Every application I've ever filled out in my life, it's like on the job description, it says college required. Yeah, a four year degree. You minimum. never had college for any of them, no, yeah. no. And I still applied and still got hired. Yeah, imagine that.
1: They just wanted to see that you were a, a had a good personality and a good work ethic.
0: Exactly. And, and and then you can start to build experience, and then experience will trump education every single time. Absolutely. In, unless you need a license, obviously. You're barely
1: going... I mean, obvious fields like medicine and you know things that you really, really need all that college for, those are important. But some of these things, like to think that you need a four-year degree to... I don't know what would you, I mean, even if you're going to be an accountant, you still are going to go to the business and then they're going to have to train you on what it is you're supposed to do for like two or three months. You know, you're not just going to walk in and be like, Oh, you have uh accounting software. I'll just log in. And I already know what, what all is going on. Yeah. You know, that's not what happens. You we,
0: still have to train for months. We learned that at Liberty university. Yeah. Yeah. We signed into all the all 2,700 accounting softwares. We learned all of them for every one just of them. in case. And
1: we know how every single business does their accounting specifically.
0: Yeah, yeah we don't like QuickBooks, though. So, so hopefully you guys don't use that.
1: <laughs> so, so first off, you know, you got the idea that everyone has to go to college. Like, that's got to be squashed. It's, it ha- and that will cause the price of college to go down. Just changing that because you've got an artificial demand for a market right now. It's like if everyone thought that you had to have a Toyota Tundra, everyone thought, you knew that. You knew it when you were graduating from high school, the next step was that you had to buy a Toyota Tundra.
0: Those aren't very environmentally friendly.
1: They're not, they're not, but you had to go get one. Okay. What do you think would happen to the price of a Toyota Tundra?
0: Well, they would be a lot.
1: Yeah, what do you think would happen to the price of a brand new car if the government offered zero percent loans on them all the time, yeah, you know that's what we have for college, basically
0: well, you made it a good analogy not too long ago where you were talking about like if the government gave everybody twenty thousand dollars for a brand new car, like cars well they're more than that now anyway, but let's say thirty thousand. yeah well, cars would no longer be thirty thousand dollars yeah They would jump up to fifty or sixty or 70 or eighty thousand
1: yeah they would. And the the thing is you you kill the incentives in the market like it, even if so if you make loans available to everyone for the thing that they want to do and you give them a nearly unlimited amount of loan they can take out then in that market it doesn't even mean it doesn't even mean it's out of pure greed it's just out of pure human nature that the efficiencies in that market are going to go away because they're no longer necessary Because the government's given away whatever amount of money it is. Why would you work so hard to be innovative and efficient if it did not matter what your product costs?
0: Well, let's walk through what happened with college real quick since we're on this. What happened was is now we have basically an unlimited funding source, a.k.a. the government. What happened was is for these colleges to compete to get students on their campus is they started building these outlandish facilities, like unbelievable like state-of-the-art you it's like swimming pools aquatic centers yeah yeah aquariums inside the college you've got restaurants and like they built the you know Gaylord Opera Center or, or Gaylord whatever whatever that Opryland yeah 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 like have they built forests inside yeah. of the the campus and they have rock walls and like all of these multi-million or billion dollar facilities because they needed to compete to try to attract you know, the students with all the money to their place. And so, well, guess what? All of that construction costs money. So what do they have to do? They have to raise the price of tuition. But it didn't matter. They could raise it to whatever they wanted to because the students could get an unlimited amount of loans. Like, oh, $40,000 a year, or $50,000, or, or $80,000 a year to go to this school? No problem. Or really, it's a semester. Yeah, Like forty grand a semester now for most of your... Like decent universities, it's insane. It's absolutely insane.
1: And I, I've still got college debt right now for something that I, I didn't finish. I thought I was going to be a teacher. and Decided I did not want to do that, especially in Illinois. Well, you're teaching sure. now,
0: just in a different way.
1: I'm doing it right now. I'm running a class. Yeah, on economics. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have. So one other thing, like, okay, you're going to get all your loan forgiveness uh, out there. What about all the people that already paid off their loans? You know. Is that fair? Is it fair that I, that I've been paying off my student loan for, for, uh, I would see, I went to school back in uh, nine and, uh, circus, yeah, circus, circus 2009. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and I've been paying back my student loans the whole time. Like, how is it fair that some other kid getting out of school that, that, 2019's human beings have a right to not pay for their college, but my mom had the struggle to pay her student loans for 20 30 years. Right. That's not so. Shouldn't she get some money from the government? Some, or I'm sorry, from Wall Street? Some well, somehow.
0: We'll just have to institute some reparations. Yeah. For the people who actually paid I for literally it. Literally
1: have that in my article. That's so <laughs> funny that you said that. <laughs> we, that's awesome. That's
0: that's what we should do. We should have college student loan debt. Those that paid it, we should have reparations for those people because. They were obviously um, you know, at a disadvantage because they took the responsibility that they took out this loan and they needed to repay it because they're just decent people
1: well they were they were held down unjustly because human beings had a right to not pay for their college, and it had not been realized yet by the government. I, they I were held agree down more i I can't believe you said that because because i it literally said. I put in my article, I'm writing right now about this, that are you telling me that in 2018, human beings didn't have a right to free college? In 2018, that was? And then I said, where are my college repayment reparations? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny, you can't. You said that, that's amazing. So, back to the, the tax, the idea that we're gonna tax, and he talks about Wall Street speculation a lot, which just, it's another one of those terms that now it's got a negative connotation to it that he throws around, and no one even knows what it means. First off, no one knows what it means. Some people do, I know what it means, but a lot of people that are hearing him say this just oh, huh, speculation. that I don't like that. That's bad. We should tax that. That's yeah. not good, yeah, yeah. But Ooh, speculation,
0: that's a dirty word.
1: Free, free. I like it when it's free, yeah. <laughs> free is way better, <laughs> yeah. So Attacks on speculation, like it's a bad thing, to use a simple example on uh, on speculation, um, and you know I grew up on a farm, you know that. Um, which, oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> I, before we get into this next part, oh, I, I okay. wanted to go through some more <laughs> reparations talk real quick, and it took me a second to find this. I'm sorry, Nate. I'm sorry I have to interrupt you, but I saw this today. Elizabeth Warren is calling for reparations for same-sex couples uh, because the tax code was discriminatory against them yeah. for the longest time. Well, one am I- You know, their $2,000 a year savings that you get. Yeah. <laughs> that massive tax break. Yeah. You know, it they is, were held down.
1: It is unfair that the government stole less from other people than they stole from, from them, so- the obviously the people the people whom had less things stolen from them need to pay back the people who stole too much from other people right yeah yeah It so, makes but we're gonna sense. steal
0: it from other people yeah t- to give it to the people
1: <laughs> when they it's talked just... about the reparations thing my first thing was like okay well when is this going to get down to reparations for women you know right when are men going to pay higher taxes you know, that's going to be talked about. But then
0: how long do men pay higher taxes for before we need reparations later? I, I don't know. Like how held down are we, how long are we going to be held down for that they're going to have to make up for later? Because then know. that's not, Ooh, it's just, know. it's a never ending, got a good satir- it's a never ending fairness.
1: We've got a good satirical article. You Just get a good headline title. Headline right now. Yeah, it's oh, going to have man. to do with uh, um, reparations being paid by those held down by the US government. Yes. So hold on, let me get that. Let By the way, Nate, you're here.
0: pretty good at those uh, the, at those titles.
1: Just being a just being smart, Alec, as, yeah. as my mom would call me, Ornery. <clears throat> just being ornery. You say
0: ornery, Nate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what was I talking about? Uh, uh, speculation.
0: Yes, tax on speculation, and I had to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, that was that was really funny. good.
1: I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you didn't see man, that. That no. was part of the news
0: today. I didn't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got too focused on one item of the news. I should have looked at
0: more of them. You were so emotionally drained by BS. <laughs> no, I
1: had a friend send me the BS article because he knew that I was just gonna blow Be my top. Nick sent that over to me. He was <laughs> like, "Check this out, man." So, oh. um So speculation. I I grew up on a farm. You you know this.
0: So a speculative farm.
1: Speculative farm. It absolutely <laughs> was because one thing I'd always hear my dad talk about growing up were his grain contracts and i was like okay contract that sounds complicated mm-hmm. i don't know what that means at all right i didn't really understand what it meant until i finished basic economics for like the 7th time and what happens and we'll just use we'll use the grain market and this is this is l- literally what speculation is it's just used in a lot of other markets that don't sound as clear as this but this is speculation A bushel of corn, let's just say that it's selling. Let's say it's selling right now for $5 a bushel. I don't know what the actual price is, but let's say it's $5 a bushel. And you're a farmer. You've got a lot of things to contend with. You've got thousands of acres of plants that have been carefully placed out in the ground. Have you ever tried to take care of a plant in your house and make sure that it went okay?
0: It's difficult. Okay,
1: well now take care of a billion plants. So you've got a really big job to do which is take care of all of these plants. And that's enough. That's enough work to do right there. So a farmer sees that the grain price is $5 a bushel right now and they just they just finished planting. Well, by the time you get the harvest season and you're you're ready to actually sell your grain, you know that the price it is 5 right now, it could be 6 then, it could be 7. Or it could be 3 or 4. You don't know which way it's going to go. Maybe Trump sent one too many tariff tweets. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen.
0: You know? That's so true.
1: Yeah, the, literally. Uh, so to take some of the Are some you of say, Wait, <clears throat> hang on.
0: Are you saying that there's grain in the market?
1: There is literally grain in the market. Wow. Yeah. It is part of the stock market. Okay. I mean, Stock would not be the proper word for where the grain is in
0: the market, but still trades on the market. Right, yes. it trades. Yeah, the price of of grain trades on the market. Yeah,
1: and it's a pretty important thing, by the way, the price of grain, because all of the things that we use grain for. When you think of the uh, ethanol that comes from corn, or you mm-hmm. think of what soybean oil gets used for, all the I mean, it's it's very important. It's not just it's not just food for the cows. It's it's all kinds of stuff. Right. I mean, like some of that has to go to one percent beef hamburgers at at McDonald's. Yes. You know? Some of it. You know, to, to feed the cows so they can so they can use those. But you got grain it's five dollars a bushel right now. And you're going in the harvest season and you don't really know what the price is gonna be. And that can be pretty stressful. It can also be pretty hard to make long term plans based on never knowing what price you're gonna be able to sell your grain for. So this is where uh, speculation comes in. What will happen is my dad will get a phone call from this evil Wall Street banker. That's not what happens. But um, actually, he's, you know, he's a pretty nice guy. But um, he'll get a call and he'll say, hey, the uh, corn is $5 a bushel right now. Um, you know, we can. why don't we just go ahead and contract, we'll just go ahead and contract 50,000 bushels of corn at $5 you know we'll guarantee you that's the price you're going to get for it it's five dollars per bushel
0: whether it goes up or down
1: whether it goes up or down doesn't matter you're going to get five dollars and so if you're a farmer and you're you've been burned before because the price dropped a whole bunch and you don't want to see that happen again you might say well i think it's a pretty safe bet just to go ahead and take this guaranteed income from my grain then i can just worry about my plants i don't have to worry about everything else
0: that's the grain contract yeah
1: you can make long-term plans. You can say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get $5 per bushel for this many bushels. I can make business plans now based on that income because it takes months and months and months to put things in motion, in a, especially in a farm. So now you can make plans on that. Well, so my, so my dad benefits from that. He's got peace of mind from that. He's got the ability to make long-term plans for your business, which is growing food. We're not in Russia, so that's an important thing. So yes. the, it's an important job for sure. Uh, and also the, the speculator who's doing that could benefit from it because while he's offering my dad a guaranteed $5 per, per bushel, they think that there's a good chance that corn is going to be worth more than $5 a bushel when it comes to harvest time. And so what they're thinking is, all right, well, I'm going to sell these 50,000 bushels of corn for $6 a bushel And I've only got to pay the guy that gave them to me five. I'm speculating. I'm speculating that the price is going to go up. So I'm going to guarantee this person a fixed amount on it. If they find that valuable, they're going to take it. And if I I find that valuable, because I can make money off of it, for sure. Now, this doesn't really add any cost in the market, because the corn still goes for the same—it still goes for the six dollars. So that it, it didn't add price to the corn. it still gets sold for that market rate. Now what just happens is dollar goes to the person who gave the guaranteed amount, and the five dollars goes to the farmer. And I, I, well, I well, hang
0: on, before you finish though, what happens if corn goes down to four dollars? Then the speculator loses money. Really? yeah, so you're saying he's taking a risk. It's a risk. Wow.
1: Yeah, And if you know anything about stock investing or any kind of investing in general, it's generally smart to make sure that your winners that pay off are three times the size of your risk. Because at that point, you can have half of your trades, half of your investments could be losers, and you're still gonna make money off of it. So it's important to make sure that your winners are that big, meaning, that it's important for the speculator to make sure that uh, while they're risking maybe a dollar, maybe it's going to go down to four. The speculator really wants it to go up to six fifty or seven dollars, because he could have just got burned on a bunch of soybean contracts after China decided they weren't going to buy any more of our soybeans. And so, this is called
0: <clears throat> offloading your risk. It
1: is, and it's important because it helps the business owner. It helps the business owner make their plans, get their plans in order, make their investments in the right way, hire the people they know they're gonna be able to hire, buy the new ground that they're gonna be able to buy or buy the new equipment that they're gonna be able to buy and not be worried or potentially take a massive loss when it comes down to harvest time. Now, the, the thing about farming is an easy, simple example. I think everyone can, can understand that, but this happens in like every market that that there is. Well, and here's a
0: here's another important distinction I think that we need to make is that there's not some centralized government bureaucrats deciding these prices. No. This is literally like millions upon millions of transactions that the free market determines these prices. It's an impossible thing to do and somehow some way the free market and capitalism makes it possible that these prices are decided. And it's then they're fair. Yeah. Because that's what the that's like literally what the supply and demand is of the market.
1: Well look at here's a fair it,
0: well if there's too much corn, mm-hmm. right? It's gonna go down. It's gonna go down. Like the price is gonna go down because not as many people want to buy it. And yeah. so you're trying to entice people to buy it. Yeah. That's why you lower the price. Like people go places like Walmart because they have cheaper prices. You're enticing people to Like, hey, you may not need three gallons of milk. You may only need two. But since they're so cheap, go ahead and pick up the third, and you can drink some extra milk. Whereas, like, or corn or whatever you want to use, and food group-wise, you see these prices fluctuate based on what the demand is for it. And this all happens. It's like a – they call it the invisible hand, right? And I know that kind of gets a bad rep. But the beautiful thing about the free market and why it's so unbelievably amazing that we eat this even – happened. Because if you look at human history, it's not even remotely close to an idea that you you would think somebody would come up with because it's almost beyond our intelligence. Because you have all of these moving pieces with millions of people, millions upon billions, maybe even trillions of transactions that take place. And somehow it's like literally a fair market because it's based on what the, the supply versus demand is.
1: Well, yeah, there's been massive flooding going on up in, up in Illinois, up in Missouri. Iowa, all in Missouri, yeah. all through there. and Even Oklahoma. There's going to be less corn in the market, basically, when the harvest comes. The price for corn is already going up. No one said raise the price of corn. Right. That's not what's happening. What's happening is they're seeing that farmers are going to have less corn, and so the, the price of it's going up. A good example of this could be uh, in California – why the heck would the government subsidize your water bill for you? Because you're, you're staying out there in a place where uh, water, fresh water is not an abundant resource, and what they end up doing is they run into water shortages because there's an artificially low price for your water. You end up having people irrigating their lawns at a time that there's water shortages when what should happen is the price of water should go up. That way people make the decision based on price to stop wasting water. They start making these laws saying, and start talking about, oh, you shouldn't take a shower this long, and oh, maybe only use the water once when you're brushing your teeth, or don't don't irrigate your lawns. All you have to do is let the market dictate the prices, and people would say, oh, hey, that, it actually looks like I need to use the least amount of water possible.
0: Instead of calling the cops on your neighbor because you saw a sprinkler pop up for five minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not efficient. <laughs> no. It's not efficient at all. What would be efficient is that the price of water goes up. And in, in an area where water's super abundant, the price goes really low. And you can leave the water gushing like I do when I'm brushing my teeth, just so much of it. So I turn on the shower when I'm brushing my teeth. <laughs> I mean, flush just gonna, five I flush times. it the whole time. <laughs> so, you know, because water's not that expensive here. But if you're in Arizona, the price of your water should be very expensive. It, in Nevada, the price of your water should be very expensive. And you should know, I have to take a short shower. I don't need to irrigate my lawn. That's not important. What's important is everyone has drinking water. That's important. What's not important is that I have an amazing in-ground pool. It's Olympic size because it would cost a million dollars to fill it up. And that's extremely wasteful. Right. The price would dictate that decision making a lot better than government regulation would.
0: Well, there. Okay. Then there's other, like there's other benefits to live there. If you make a sacrifice for paying more for water. Yeah. It's not price gouging. It's not like that doesn't exist. No. It's literally like this is everything in the world is a scarce resource. There. It's all, it's all full of scarcity. There's not an infinite amount of anything. It's all scarce. And the question is, what economics asks is, how do you allocate those? Who decides? And that's the question. Who gets to decide? And luckily, I don't know how in the world we ever came up with this, humans about 150 years ago, 200, 250 years ago, somehow decided that maybe we should just let the market decide yeah that's weird good
1: old Adam Smith yeah you know and people I mean there were market prices for
0: things for things before that but, that, but there was still like like fiat you know, yeah. feudalism that the king would decide certain things and
1: yeah it's know. still basically what we have right now
0: <laughs> right right yeah we still have crazy it's, government regulation it's,
1: it's like what we have now we've brought it back around to college because now we've got an artificially low cost for college meaning that you don't have to pay you know interest is the price that you pay for for money and when you have an artificially low interest rate because the money that you're taking out should already represent the value of what you're getting when you take out a loan for a car you're getting something that you've deemed worth twenty thousand dollars to you probably way more than that because of all the things you can do with your car but the interest rate on top of that is the price you pay for getting that money, for getting that value. And so the interest rate is supposed to dictate the amount of money that you're supposed to take out and the amount of resources that you're supposed to buy with that money. What happens when you take a student loan and you make it a 1% interest rate or zero and you give it to anyone who wants it and you give an unlimited amount of money to anyone who wants it, is you take away that entire market force. like. What would happen is uh, you would go to a bank and you would say, "I'm going to get my doctorate, and I'm going to be a I, I'm going to be a brain surgeon." And they're like, "Okay, well, I'm pretty sure we can give you a a 0.1 percent interest rate on that student loan, and uh, we'll pay for it, and that's great." And then you go to the you go to the bank and you say, "I'm going to be a master political science." Facebook poster all the time and they're like, uh, okay. Um, well, we'll give you about a 20% interest rate on that because there's a good chance that if we give money out to every single person who's going to get their political science degree, we're not going to get much of it back because those people aren't going to ever make any money. So we're gonna have to charge a higher interest rate for all those people because we need the ones who do pay us back to pay for all the ones who aren't gonna get a job and who aren't gonna pay us back.
0: Or like they get a job at Hollister. Yeah. You know, exactly. With their is Hollister is
1: still a thing? I haven't seen that in a while. I
0: think so. Man. I think we haven't been in a mall in a long time. That's true. But I think there's still Hollister locations.
1: I used to love their cologne so yeah. much. Smelled so good.
0: You just walk in there to like waft. Just
1: get the cologne smell yeah. on you. I couldn't afford their shirts. No. No way. No. Could not. That was for the popular kids in class. Like, I could not afford that stuff. Right. At all. Well, I don't, I
0: don't think you would want to anymore. No. Yeah. No. To buy their shirts. Remember Abercrombie and Fitch? I do. Is yeah. that still a thing?
1: Uh, I th- yeah it is. I traded A uh, and F is their ticker symbol. I traded them uh maybe two weeks ago. Wow. I would say yeah, still a nice. thing. Nice.
0: That's still a thing.
1: Yeah, they're not doing well.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, not doing yeah. that great.
1: What about apostle Aeropostal. Aeropostal.
0: Yeah, American Eagle. I,
1: yeah, American Eagle's got some nice looking stuff. Sometimes yeah. I we're, will say
0: we're bringing the '90s and early but 2000s yeah. back. But I'm
1: getting all the all the younguns listen to us are like these freak, these guys like yeah. come on everyone knows you're supposed to go to Amazon Tilly's, <laughs> oh, yeah, Amazon. Yeah, dang yeah. it. I still yeah. named that store. This <laughs> <show>. <laughs> he still he still
0: named a physical location. Yeah, yeah. dang it, Amazon for your right. clothing. You know you can get everything you want there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I guess moral of the story is nothing's ever free, and it's not a good job to just say that something – it's not a good idea to just say that it's going to be free. It's not a good idea to say that Wall Street is going to pay for this because Wall Street doesn't have that much money unless you give it to them. So So
0: you're going to pay for it.
1: You're going to pay for it still. You're going to pay for it by when you would have had – uh $200,000 in your retirement account when you retired or say a million because it's something you could actually live off of for 20 years if you needed to you're going to you were going to have a million dollars and now instead you're going to have about 600,000 and you're going to make it like 10 years 610,000 Yeah, 610,000. 39% yeah. less. <laughs> I'm just thinking taxes, you know. I don't I don't
0: know. Well, no, yeah. I don't know. well you got to pay taxes on that afterwards. You do. Yeah. But you pay tax on a million.
1: Yeah. You would still pay on yeah. a million, but the thing is that it's not going to be that anymore because when you used to get a seven percent rate year over year, it's going to be a lot lower than that when you're taxing the people who are making those trades for you.
0: Well, here's another thing to remember: like Wall Street's not going to pay this tax. No, <laughs> like, they're going to raise their fees on everyone's exactly, accounts. That's what they're going to do. Exactly, that's exactly what they do. And guess who? Guess who steals all the money? Still, the yeah. government. Still, the biggest, most evil corporation that ever existed in human history ever. Every government in all of human history is an extortion giant corporation. Yep. And in fact, they're like you can tell they're corporations because they're freaking incorporated. <laughs> like, look at all your cities. Yep. They're incorporated. They are. That's true. They have a board, they run just like a freaking company. Yep. And it, this is what I don't understand. It's like, People hate capitalism because they hate all these greedy companies. And granted, there are some greedy companies. There are some companies that do some shady stuff. But they fail to see that the biggest corporation of all that doesn't provide any value, almost almost zero value, besides I, I would say a military is probably pretty valuable to keep you safe. Yeah. Other than that, almost no value. And all they do is steal money from you. And the Republicans and Democrats both try to figure out how to spend as much of it as they possibly can. And if they run up, if they haven't spent all of it and they still have room in the budget, they just buy all these crazy extravagant things so they can keep increasing their budget. And we have a, a supposed Republican president right now running the biggest deficits in history. And, in fact, my roommate asked me yesterday, he's like, what's going to happen? Like, we're two, $22 trillion in debt. Like, what's going to happen? Like, people don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they see $22 trillion in debt. What's actually going to happen? Well, what happens is it's called inflation. Yeah because that's the only way the government can actually get rid of the debt because i think by 2032 our debt payment or actually the interest on the debt is going to be like bigger than our medicare spending. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So how do you service that debt? Because it has to be serviced. It just can't disappear. Yeah,
1: just the idea of government bonds too like the the bond market is so it's such a you could just say like house of cards because like a a government bond is a, how they fund a lot of things. Right. You know, you ever had a, I had savings bonds, you know, when I was little, they were mm-hmm. basically worthless, is, yeah. how you, is how you felt about them. Um, but They're just saying like, hey, uh, you give us that $25, and 20 years from now, we're gonna give you back $26. And that's what, you, that's what you get from your government bond. Well, they do that on a really, really, really big level with a lot of corporations, governments, all kinds of people that they're selling these bonds to.
0: The stock market, so, your brokers. Yeah. They,
1: they promise to pay that money back at the, end of that, at the end of that term. The issue is they don't have any money. So what they do is when it's time to pay the bonds back, they issue new bonds to new people to pay the old bonds back. Yes. And that keeps piling on top of itself over and over and over again. And what's going to end up happening whenever the economy finally fails, whenever inflation takes course, is that whole – I mean, that's going to disappear. All those people are going to want their money at some point in time. Um, The biggest threat could be that China folds first because they hold – a lot of our debt anyway and it will be really bad for the entire world economy if China's economy collapses. Yes. That's like one of the scariest things to me because we can be like yeah yeah America we're never going to fail never going to fail. We're still tied to all these other economies. You yes. know, our economy failing affected the entire world. And it will be the same thing if China's economy fails. It will absolutely affect us. It would absolutely crash our stock market if if China's economy failed. Yep. It would be really bad for a lot of people.
0: Well, and this is something most people don't ever think about. You know, even even my roommate, really smart guy, right? And Mm -hmm. he was asking me, well, what's going to happen? And I said, well, the only logical thing that can happen, especially if you look at history, tells us, if you look at current day Venezuela, when the debt outweighs everything else, you have to inflate it away. That's the only way to do it because you have to get rid of it. And so when inflation skyrockets, well, what do you do about that? Well, Milton Friedman had, I think, the best answer. The only answer to high inflation is high living. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to clear my bank account, and I'm going to buy as much, every single penny I have that day, when inflation starts to go up, I will buy all of the cigarettes, booze, and ammo I can. Yep. Because that way, those are the things that are going to hold their value. (laughs) Yep. And
1: And by the way, that's a run on the bank,
0: because everyone's going to pull their money out of the bank. Right. right It will. It's like, Crashes and the market. A, now you got high inflation. The market's crashed. Recession. People start starving. Millions of people will be out of jobs, and it's like it's catastrophe. Yeah, is what basically it is.
1: all the worst parts of the Bible.
0: Yes, the scariest environment imaginable. That's all you had to say. <laughs> just the Scariest environment, environment imaginable. Scariest environment imaginable. All right, <laughs> but if you if you think about that, like we talk about this doomsday climate change, that's not. The greatest threat to civilization currently, right now, is this massive debt that we yeah. have. The greatest threat to Americans is the debt.
1: It's a threat to the most amount of people around the world right. is the economies collapsing. It's
0: like imagine like it's literally a giant debt asteroid. Yeah. Coming to Earth. And if, if it hits, millions of people will die and there will be a nuclear winter. <laughs> no one ever
1: <laughs> no one ever thinks it's gonna happen though.
0: Right. You know, they just don't believe that it's gonna happen. Well, and we haven't even got into all the unfunded liabilities. Yeah, it's and people are going to be like, "Well, what's good. that?" Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: that's it's, stuff you've promised other people.
0: Exactly. So it's basically <clears throat> the government promising things like Medicare, Social Security, and things like that. the The conservative estimates are about 120 trillion dollars.
1: I've seen over 200 trillion. Over
0: two, like, but yeah. cons- I'm just saying conservative, like yeah, 120 trillion. You're like, well, how much is 120 trillion? Well, you could probably make it to freaking Pluto and back uh, so if you just stack the dollars on top of each other.
1: I posted a, a million and a trillion thing on our on our Instagram this week, actually. So, uh, this is pretty good, <clears throat> pretty good uh, example for you the how big a trillion is. So, a million is pretty big. A lot of people want to be a millionaire someday. That's a lot of money. You can yeah. do a lot of stuff with a million dollars. So, uh, in distance, a million inches will get you from uh your house where you're at right now uh to about 16 miles away from your house that's what a million inches will get you a trillion inches will get you to the moon and back 32 times oh my god
0: yeah 32
1: versus 16 miles away from your house with a million moon him back 32 times with one trillion. Inches. Well,
0: let's put that in better perspective because how long does it take to get to the moon? It's like three days, isn't it?
1: Uh, I don't know. Well, it only took them like half an hour in Apollo 13.
0: Well, yeah, but <laughs> I think they skipped some actual they did. time. Um, I think it's three days or five days or something like that. it takes yeah like that's how far away it is when you're traveling twenty five thousand miles an hour, yeah, still takes you three days to get yeah. to the moon
1: well that's if you made that analogy traveling twenty five thousand miles an hour to get sixteen miles would take you a uh, now yeah. <laughs> that's about how yeah that's about how quick you would get sixteen right? miles, right, but then it would take you a... Uh, what three that be- three times thirty two yeah, was it three so. there and back or three there and then three back? Three there, three back. So okay, so six, six times. Yeah. three, so one hundred and eighty, one hundred ninety-two, one ninety-two, one
0: hundred
1: ninety-two. Is that true? Yeah, we'll have to check the Yeah, yeah thirty-two times six is yeah, one ninety-two. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So one hundred ninety-two days versus wow. versus now. Yes, That's what It's a it's a big number. That's it's, the point. Yes. It's a big, and we're twenty-two point three of those in, in debt in money.
0: And at least 120 in unfunded promises. Yeah, probably a lot more than that. Yes. And so so you think about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like I told my roommate, like the only solution to high inflation is high living. You have to spend your money as quickly as you possibly can because, like, let's say inflation goes up in cigarettes. Cigarettes, like in New York, are like $20 a pack or something like that. Here in Tennessee, they're like five or six still. But like, let's say they go to $100 a pack, right? That next day. That's yeah. in, that's the inflation. Well, you buy as many as you can at 100 because tomorrow they're going to go to 200. Yeah. So then you can sell one or two. Well, then
1: you, you get arrested for that. But
0: yeah. Well, it, imagine if America would be in turmoil. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to get arrested. It's no, going to be literally fight for your life. Yeah,
1: they'd be arresting for all the looting at that point in time. Right. So it's not
0: good. No. Is it's what is the thing? It's completely awful and everybody wonders like why we harp on this so much why we don't like why libertarians don't like the federal reserve and all this stuff it's like all you have to do is look at just a little bit of history yeah just a little bit you know I love Patrick Henry the give me liberty give me death speech not just because of give me liberty give me death but like the the eloquent words he chose to to tell his fellow confidants like listen I have no way he says in the speech, I have no way to judge the future, but by the past I have, but I have but one lamp by which my feet of feet are guided. And that is a lamp of history. And what he was talking about in that speech is Britain, great Britain, our home country, the, the people, the King and, and the people of Britain who say they love us. Yeah. They're sending ships full of soldiers. They're sending armies to our shore this is what he was talking about there in the speech and he's saying when you send an army out what else is there besides an impending war like what else does history show you yeah and it's like such a it's such, like if you don't mm. learn the history and see the patterns then you're going to be blindsided just completely blindsided and the, these patterns of history will play out the same there's no other way to say like if somebody like points a gun in your face There's nothing else to think besides, I'm going to get shot. Yeah. You know? Like, when somebody sends their army, there's nothing else to think besides, this is going to be a war. When a
1: country runs up too much debt.
0: There's nothing else but inflation and catastrophe. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing that can happen.
1: What we should do is we should try and get a Republican senator... To offer up some kind of balanced budget plan, I think that happened
0: mm, mm. mm-hmm, true, and almost every single conservative, let's say, yeah, <laughs> pretend <laughs> conservative really voted against it,
1: too radical, yeah, can't balance it in can't ten it. years nope yeah can't b- can't balance it in ten years that's insane, can't do it. The problem here this is what are, this is what everyone's up against is back to like Bernie. This is a this is an attempt to, to buy votes. To, that's what it's an attempt to buy power. It always is. I'm gonna offer this to you and this to you and this to you and and it's all class warfare. We're gonna offer stuff to every single people uh, that aren't uh you know straight straight white males. Everyone else is going to get something offered to them. And so the thing is, like, Democrats are gonna get people to go vote for them that they want free health care or they want free college. Or uh, you know they want low interest loans. Or they want everything guaranteed to them. Republicans are going to get people to go vote for them because they want a wall, or they want the the proper amount of wars, or they tariffs. want the uh, they want tariffs, or they want the the government to outlaw abortion and things like that. And where the libertarians are screwed is we want people to go vote for us because we want the government to leave us the hell alone. Right, like. That's, and that's a losing argument right now, unfortunately, because everyone else is going there so they can get something. And we're just going to the voting booth, looking to see which person is going to do the least, you know, that, and you never, you never find that person, right? unfortunately. Do less. Do less. Right. Pop do down. Less. less is more, you know, the, the most frightening words in the English language or I'm from the government and I'm here to help yeah. you know at one point in time the president actually got up and said that and that that was awesome the, that someone said that but no one thinks that anymore like was that Reagan or Kennedy? Reagan said that okay yeah and and um, he said he na- he did the number and the whatever most frightening words are I'm from the government I'm here to help uh, and now everyone just wants the government to help them on what they want helped on right even
0: Republicans. It's it's just insane. And I, like, you know, we do this show, and I've told people, I feel like I have a moral obligation to not let liberty die. Like, I believe in my core that's a moral obligation. But I said, I told you about this the other day, I had a friend post something on Facebook, and I made a comment, and he was talking about conservatives. Um, he, he's kind of a libertarian type of guy, I would say. And he was talking about how conservatives were doing stupid things, and I made, I made the, the comment, and this is kind of a joke, but at the same time, I think I might actually believe it. I said, conservatives almost make me more angry because a party of conservatives that were supposed to be at least backed by a little bit of liberty have gone so far to the right that I almost just wish the communists could take over so that communism would ensue and the destruction would would happen and so we can just get it get it over with, and then liberty can thrive again. Yeah, it's almost like we have like it's almost like an impending cycle we have to go through before liberty will ever thrive again.
1: A lot of libertarian slash anarchists have brought that up a lot. That the only answer is actually that this all has to come down, and
0: then we'll have to rebuild it. And I'm like, I'm so against that. Yeah, like I truly believe that we could have the discourse to get somewhere, but then part of me is like, I just don't know if that's possible probably isn't like, and I don't know if I'll even yeah. live through it, but yeah. maybe my kid will, or maybe his kids will. Yeah. And like then they can have a, a thriving land of opportunity again. I'm just the
1: sad thing is we're still at the very beginning stages of this, where we're, we're still in the, uh, make sure that we all hate the right. people. You know, we've got to, we've got to start putting the capitalists in jail for being capitalists first. And then we've got to go through a whole cycle of terrible, terrible, abject poverty uh, after that, while the people realize. I don't know. You know I mean, it's, it's. What
0: was it? A 12, 14 year turnaround in Venezuela? The richest country in South America? Yeah. So, you so know, it's quite possible mm-hmm. we can get through it in 15, 20, yeah, 25 sure, years. sure.
1: Let's just keep doing everything we can to not do that. I know.
0: I know. Yeah. I'm just saying that's. I'm just being honest with everybody. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks that it's not what I want. It's, but part of me is like, do we, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole other podcast. Do yeah. we have to go there to get where we want to go? That's, it's a crazy way of thinking about yeah. it. But
1: I had a thing pinned to the top of our page for a while. It said something like, basically it said, speak up. So I don't remember what I said on there. It said, speak up. So, so when, basically when this all falls apart, you can at least say that you didn't go quietly. Like you did. You did everything you could do. That's what we're trying to do.
0: We wrote a song about that about 10 years ago. Yeah. Said, I won't go quietly. I won't go quietly. (laughs) It's an
1: album called that, yeah, Yeah. that we had.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's a good place to probably end it. I'm good. I won't go quietly. Yep. So, uh, (laughs) Nate, happy birthday, buddy. Um, Thanks, man. I'm glad we're friends and business partners and get to do this this fun life together. It's really fun. While it's fun. We can talk about the doom and gloom, but also be- like op- optimistically pessimistic yeah. pessimistic
1: well i'm going to be fine and that's the only thing that anyone else can do also right you got to make sure that you're going to be fine when this happens and if you're if if you're going to be fine is completely tied to who is in office in washington dc then you're not going to be fine you're losing you're going to lose when this happens because you cannot depend on those people and I'm not dependent on whoever the president is going to be. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to make my living, the best living that I can make. And regardless of what happens, even if the field I'm going into right now disappears, I'll go into a different one. I'm not going to sit here and ask for the government to take money from other people because that's just a recipe for starvation and death. That's all it is.
0: And here's another crazy thing. Like, you know how to farm and hunt. And like basic survival skills. Yeah. You know, we're not, I mean, okay, we're not doom and gloom and like you need to have your preparedness kit ready, but <laughs> it's probably smart to know a few things. Yeah. Because if, if sh- ever did hit the fan, then you need to be prepared. Being prepared is part of your moral obligation as a human being. To make sure you and your family are taken care of, and if everybody made sure that the that they and their family that is your mom going to get mad about that? Was that proper? They and their family? No, that's not right.
1: Well, you said they, so you'd say you are making sure that they are taken care of, and you are making sure that their family yes are taken care of. So, so think, it would be proper. Yeah,
0: good. Yeah. Uh, so you, if you do that, and if everybody did that, then then it would work out. But mm-hmm. if you're dependent on whether Bernie Sanders is going to get rid of your student loan debt or not, then you're losing you're already losing. You're screwed. Yes.
1: Totally screwed.
0: Because even if your student loan debt does get forgiven, what's gonna happen when the economy crashes? What are you gonna do?
1: Hopefully Bernie Sanders has a plan for that
0: too. <laughs> I bet he does. Yep. M an AOC. They got it all figured out. <laughs> all right, guys. I think that'll do it for this episode. Nate, where can everybody find us? Uh,
1: they can go to, first off, goodmorningliberty.us. If you don't feel like typing that much, you can just type in bernielies.com. That'll take you there, too. You can get on Facebook and go to Good Morning Liberty. You can get on Instagram, search Good Morning Liberty. Uh, you can go to Twitter and do Good AM Liberty. Uh, and I think that's about everything. You can email us if you uh, have anything you want to say, uh, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, or charlie at goodmorningliberty.us and leave a rating and review on the podcast. It's the most important thing you can do, for sure.
0: All right, guys. Have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.